Morena, and welcome to the Dawn Chorus. It is Wednesday the 22nd of June. I'm Bernard Hickey for the Kaka. This is my daily podcast that goes out with an email newsletter for paid subscribers in which I look at the political economy in New Zealand and as part of the global political economy. So I keep an eye on what's happening overseas, but also what's breaking in New Zealand in and around government and the economy with the lens of uh, housing, affordability, climate change and child poverty in action. Today I wanted to have a look at a couple of things around housing and around the economy. Firstly, the government announced yesterday a special task force to investigate what has gone wrong in the jib market. Now jib, we call it jib in New Zealand, it's plasterboard, but the brand name jib has become synonymous with the product because Winston Woolboards, which is owned by Fletcher Building, has a 95% market share in Jib. And over the last six months, the factories, two of them, that Fletcher Building have, have been unable to keep up with demand for plasterboard by all sorts of small builders, large builders, and renovators, uh, because there's been about 50,000 building consents issued in the last year, and that's well above the peak capacity for these plants of around about 30,000 housing consents. And also, once it became clear there might be a shortage, everyone stockpiled like mad, which of course made the situation worse. Also, we know that a regular importer of significant amounts of building materials from Australia stopped importing in the first half of this year, and that worsened the situation. This is much wider than just a, a shortage of a single type of building material because of the 95% market share and the way a lot of our houses are built with jibboard as an element of their structural integrity. That means a lot of small builders have built the frames, put in the pink bats, and haven't been able to put in the jib and certainly unable to sell their house. For those sort of cash flow, that's pushed them over the edge. 93 small builders have collapsed in the last three months, at least partly because of this jib problem. Now, Fletcher Building is really under the gun now in a political and regulatory sense because of this shortage and because of its initial response, which was to say, not much to see here, just hang on there and wait. Also, uh, it is has been seen as um, complacent and arrogant in the way that it's uh, dealt with these shortages. Initially, essentially uh, rationing supplies to customers based on who were the biggest. And there have also been complaints that it's favoured some of its uh, uh, closest uh, customers and certainly its distribution chain, its own distribution chain placemakers, at the same time as uh, um, making it more difficult for smaller uh, building companies to get hold of uh, Jib. So the government, which has been under enormous pressure on this, uh, actually uh, changed its minister. Now, a lot of focus on the removal of Potter Williams as the police, police minister was on the various reports about gangs, which is true. But the other thing that didn't get nearly enough attention, I think, uh, and I asked this 
of the Prime Minister last Monday when the Cabinet reshuffle was announced was the removal of the building and construction portfolio from Potter Williams and the handing of it to Megan Woods. Remember, this government has a kitchen cabinet of four or five ministers around Jacinda Ardern and Grant Robertson. They include the likes now of uh, Megan Woods, who is the housing minister and now the building and construction minister. She was also the energy minister. So she has the electricity market as well as the housing market to look after. Then you've got Michael Wood, who is now not just the transport minister, but also the immigration minister. He took on Chris Farfoy's role. Chris Hipkins, who of course is pretty much the minister of everything. He was the minister of COVID-19. He's handed that on to Ayesha Viral, but he's also the minister for education and now the minister for police. And uh, you have um, also around there Andrew Little, the health minister, David Parker, who's doing an awful lot around uh, tax and the environment. And the handing of the building construction portfolio to Megan Woods, I think, is important. So yesterday she announced a new task force to investigate what on earth has gone wrong with JIB. Now, those who listened to my podcast yesterday will know that... um, my discussions with those in the industry show that it's not just a jib as a commodity liner board product that's the issue. Jib have effectively bundled their liner board, which is a very simple product. You know, it's basically gypsum, a type of concrete um, jammed between two bits of paper. They have bundled it into an entire system for strengthening a house. You have a bracing system which connects to the jib, which for single-story uh, uh, timber-framed homes is now an essential part of getting a sign-off from a council. Now, this is not the case overseas, where other bracing systems and structural integrity measures are used. And one of the reasons that Simplicity Living could announce last week that it was dumping Fletcher Building and buying a whole bunch of plasterboard from Thailand is that it builds its apartments, and it's building about 550 in Auckland, with concrete blocks and brick. And the jib, or the liner board, plasterboard, is not a structural element. It's there to cover up the ugly-looking bricks. So this is an issue that uh, the task force will have a look into, and they, on the face of it, um, are pretty hostile to Fletcher Building. Two of the members of the task force include Shane Brealey, who is the Simplicity Living Managing Director and who's made these uh, uh, comments, pretty grumpy comments, about Fletcher Building's performance. Also, Tex Edwards. Now, you may remember that name from way back in the Two Degrees days. He was the entrepreneur who really pulled together the Two Degrees deal. He's no longer there, but um, he was responsible, at least partially, for the intense and great competition that transformed the mobile phone sector and that at one point the Reserve Bank called the two degrees effect in lowering inflation through the mid-2000s. Now, Tex Edwards is now involved in a group of people trying to um, improve competition in groceries and in building materials and um, has very aggressively called for Fletcher Building's jib unit to be carved off and sold off, and also for placemakers, the distribution chain that Fletcher's owns and is specially designed 
for uh, smaller uh, builders to get their materials for that to be uh, um, spun off as well. So it's clear the direction of movement in the government is to crack down on Fletcher Building and to try and offload some of this intense cost of living pressure the government's under from an economic and political sense. So you've obviously seen the government look to divert inflation attention and blame away to the supermarkets with their various moves to uh, threaten a breakup of the supermarkets chains. But also the focus now on Fletcher Building, because building materials construction costs have been up 18% in the last year and are one of the major drivers of uh, overall CPI inflation. Remember, food, energy, transport and housing costs are the main reasons for the rise in inflation. Within housing costs, so rents, rates, maintenance and the cost of building a new home, uh, rising at double-digit rates over the last um, various quarters. And that is uh, one of the reasons the government uh, has been cracking down on the building sector. Now, we'll see whether much happens. Uh, next month, we should watch out for the Commerce Commission's draft report from its ongoing market study of building materials. Remember, the Commerce Commission has looked at this area before in 2014 and concluded that Fletcher didn't have a monopoly and wasn't abusing its uh, position. Uh, we'll see whether uh, they conclude the same thing uh, in their report next month with their final report due in December. So there's a lot of rattling of sabres going on here from the government and this task force will come back with something no doubt quite interesting and uh, detailed and it's interesting that it's also separated from the Commerce Commission process. They're therefore not uh, restricted in what it can say about um, potential remedies. And uh, although it does have some of the usual uh, um, suspects from the industry on the task force, the presence of Shane Brearley and Tex Edwards should rack things up something uh, special. So... Um, the other thing to watch for on this inflation front and what the government's doing is yesterday we heard from David Clark, who's also been rattling his sabres about the supermarkets. You might recall there is um, a bill going through Parliament uh, which outlaws the groceries duopoly of foodstuffs and Countdown, Woolworths, from writing covenants into uh, uh, land development uh, leases and land ownership uh, um, contracts, which stops uh, developers from allowing competitors to uh, um, be on that land. There are also um, exclusions in leases that supermarkets do with shopping centre owners, which in the past have blocked new competitors, uh, not just grocery chains, but other retail chains and which can do it retrospectively, even after the grocery chains have left the supermarkets. Well, the legislation was put in on budget night and uh, has just gone through its second reading overnight. And we've seen from the uh, select committee com uh, uh, looking at it that it will um, certainly toughen up the rules there, ensure that supermarkets trying to block other retailers as well as grocery firms are blocked and also that the Commerce Commission will be the one 
to investigate and uh, get information on these various leases. So the government's on the warpath against monopolies and duopolies, in part because there is intense pressure politically and economically on the cost of living and the potential that um, companies with strong market positions are effectively contributing to the inflation by increasing costs faster or increasing their prices faster than costs. Now, you can see this as well in the latest figures on consumer confidence, which came out yesterday. They show a collapse in consumer confidence to the worst levels we've ever seen, or at least since the survey started in 1988. It's just worth stepping back and thinking about how extraordinary that is. Because right now, we have unemployment of 3.4%. That is a record low. And even though uh, there is real wage, hourly wage deflation going on right now, we have CPI inflation running for the last year at 6.9% and wage inflation of like-for-like jobs. These are uh, jobs that haven't um, changed in nature. There's been no promotions. There's been no skill improvements. So like-for-like as measured by the labour cost index rising at a rate of about 3%. So you've got real wage deflation there going on. However, when you actually look at gross earnings per uh, employed position, so that takes into account people's promotions, their various sign-on bonuses, all the changes in the conditions, which may not be um, wage measures, but... Uh, things like being able to work from home, um, all these bits and pieces, they're actually up in the last uh, two years by more than 10%. So in fact, gross household earnings are rising faster than prices. So people do have more cash in their pockets. And certainly when you look at the term deposit figures and the cash account figures in the banks, there is a lot of cash stacked up there. You've got to remember too, that homeowners, at least, are sitting on $700 billion worth of tax-free capital gains from the last two years. And that's even after the 6% fall in house prices since November. So we're in this strange situation where we have record low unemployment, incredibly strong household balance sheets, household incomes that have risen faster than inflation in the last two years, and yet people say they are more depressed about their own financial future than they have been at any time in the past. And you remember, any time in the past includes 10.9% unemployment in 1991, the global financial crisis of 2008-9, when it looked like for a few days the world's financial system was going to completely implode and where unemployment rose sharply. Also, we had the COVID crisis in March of last year when many people were concerned unemployment was going to spike to 30%. So it really is something else when consumer confidence collapses to levels not seen ever, even though most of us have got jobs, our incomes are rising, and our net worth is rising very fast. It's weird. Something's going on there with our mass psyche. The behavioral economics uh, of the current economy are weird. Uh, I believe social media, but something's, something's going on there. And this is important for a bunch of reasons in that consumer and business confidence are leading indicators of what happens to the economy. No one's suggesting a very big recession in New Zealand yet, 
But if you purely looked at these consumer and business confidence figures, you'd be running for the bunkers. Um, and so it's actually looking, it's worth looking at what people are actually doing. Well, people are actually investing and people are spending, particularly on durable items. And one of the interesting measures in consumer confidence is a question about whether or not you'd buy a large household item in the next 12 months. So a big fridge or a table or a couch or a TV or something like that. Basically a visit to Harvey Norman, Noel Leeming. Uh, or um, buying something big online. And when you look at the spending numbers, they're actually pretty robust. Uh, if you look at uh, durables spending... In May, which is the most recent figures we have, the electronic debit and credit card figures, you can see that basically they're unchanged from a year ago. And in fact, they're up 0.2%, which is not much, but they're certainly not down and certainly not in line with consumer confidence figures and the stated intentions of people when they're asked, will they buy um, a large household item in the next year? And it's interesting when you look at people's perceptions about their own financial situations a year out and five years out. Now, over the next year, people are actually not as depressed as they were in 2008 or in 1990, 1991. And you do have to wonder whether that question about your personal financial situation mirrors the sort of weird disconnect that you often get in business confidence figures between people being asked about their own businesses' prospects and the economy's prospects. When you have a Labour government, businesses say the rest of the economy is doing really badly, but my, my business is doing fine. When you have a national government, those two measures are broadly in line. Uh, but there's something else going on here. This is much, much worse than even during the Labour government of 1999 to 2008. And uh, you do have to wonder whether COVID has messed with people's psyches as consumers and as businesses. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was my dawn chorus that goes out every day with an email newsletter for paid subscribers. And I welcome the support of uh, those paid subscribers to do the sort of work I do covering the political economy with these, um, with the lens of focusing on housing affordability, climate change and child poverty. Ka kite anō.